0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Welcome to our final sermon in our sermon series, Family Equals Unit. This is What Are Families For? Part Three, And this is God's word found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It begins with this. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is God's word. Home is where your heart is. That's a pretty familiar phrase, isn't it? So. Where's home? Now, that sounds like a pretty simple question, and yet, my guess is, as you think about the idea of home being where your heart is, instinctually, your mind went way deeper than merely thinking of the building at your current address, the the four walls that you happen to be living in right now. The idea of home does that to us. It, It makes us think. So where is home? Do you think of your childhood home? Is home the first home you actually owned? Is home and your idea of home forever rooted in that first apartment you lived in after you got married? What's home? Where's home? Is your heart attached to the memories made in the home you do live in right now? I don't know, perhaps some or, or all of those things ran through your mind because the idea of home and, and home being where the heart is, it's a deep subject. Home is the place for which you feel the deepest affection. It's the place you feel most connected emotionally. It's the place you long to come home to. Home, it's the place full of wonderful memories and the loved ones who help make them. Home is the place your heart goes to no matter where you are or who you're with. The idea of home has death. Home is where the heart is, and that's why That saying rings most true when we happen to be away from our homes. This past February, I got to travel to Joplin, Missouri to spend time with a friend who's starting a new church there. This first night that I was there, we enjoyed dinner together at his house. After dinner, I got in my car, drove to my hotel, and then in the morning, I drove back to pick him up to go grab some breakfast. As I parked my car, I noticed that overnight the home across the street from my friend's home had burned down. Together, we went over to see how we could help the lady who was carrying picture frames and other keepsakes out of her home. Well, praise God, we learned that everyone who was in the home had made it safely out during the night, but it was obvious that as we talked to this woman, her heart was broken. Home? <laughs> is where the heart is, and at that moment, her heart was being pulled in a million directions as she dealt with the raw emotions that one does in the wake of losing their home. Unprompted, this woman, the owner of the home, she shared with us and her plans, and she started telling us about plans she had to to find a new home, a, a temporary home for her and her family because, as she said in that moment, I know my kids need a home. And isn't that just it? Everyone needs a home. Home is not just a place to have stuff. It's it's a place to find security, to know affection and and find comfort. To be outside or away away from your home, or, or worse, to be without a home, it means we're in exile. It means we're wandering. It means we're unsettled. It means we're uncomfortable. And I know that all of us know this feeling of yearning for a home, and it's not because we've had homes catch on fire. Many of us have moved many times, whether it's because of the military, job transfers, or by choice. And our idea of home and the transitory nature of it all, well, it changes as much as the buildings we live in. I don't know, maybe you feel like a wanderer sometimes. Some of you come from homes that are broken by divorce or abuse, and you'll admit, the idea you have of home is affected by that. Others have lived or are living hundreds or thousands of miles from family and loved ones, and and that means you're without those who, who make your view and idea of home complete. And so it's hard to ever feel at home. So where is home? If home is where the heart is, our hearts are never at rest if, well, they can't be at home. Often our hearts experience restlessness because of the physical and emotional aspects of home life. And just like that, or maybe even because of that, more often our hearts feel spiritual restlessness and spiritual homelessness. Think of it this way. We know that it's through the living and enduring word of God that we've been reborn into the family of God and and he's given us a home with him. We know that there's nothing better in all this world than for us to go again and again to the word like kids who crave food and continue to go again and again and know the joy and the blessings of hearts at home with God. And yet, instead of being like newborn babies who crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word, or more like naive newborn babies who crawl after things that harm us and and take us away from our home in Christ, We know that in Christ Jesus, we are like living stones being built together into a spiritual house. In other words, we know that God has redeemed you and I by the blood of Christ. He's promised you and I a home with Christ. And in Christ, he has repurposed and reshaped the entirety of our lives and placed us in this life for one reason and one reason alone. It's to declare God's praises. That's what God's doing. He's building us into a beautiful home with other Christians so that together with them, we can praise him and offer beautiful and acceptable things to God through Christ Jesus. That's the home we have. And yet, do we live life like that? Do our hearts yearn for and pine for that idea of home? No, you and I prefer to take our time, our abilities, our wealth, and the whole of our lives and, well, build mansions of material matter. We do this all so that we can take our materialistic masterpieces and measure them and ourselves in comparison to other people and, well, the meaningless stuff that they make. You know it. You know you always have a home with Jesus and in Jesus. But do you always find your home in Him? Or is home to you the fact that, well, you're still prettier than the girl you work with? Is home that you're more athletic? Is home the comfort of alcohol, the comfort of Netflix, the comfort of the device in your pocket, the comfort of gossip? Where's your home? Do you find home in the simple comfort that your kids are better behaved or you make a bit more money compared to the Joneses? Do you feel at home when, only when, Well, you're with that special someone. What's your home? Is it the actual physical home you're in? And if anything would happen to the stuff in it, well, you'd be devastated. Or is home really back home, wherever that is? And wherever life takes you, you've made up your mind that you just won't feel joy like you do if you're there. Home is the place or the thing or the person for which you feel the deepest affection. Home is that which you long to come home to. Home is that which your heart goes to, no matter where you are, or no matter who you're with. The saying's familiar: "Home is where your heart is." So I'm asking, where is home? Saint Augustine once wrote this. He said, "You have made us for yourself, O Lord. Our heart." is restless until it finds rest in you. That short sentence contains two substantial truths. They're connected by an implied therefore. One, God has made us for himself. Therefore, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. It's like we're arrows in motion towards a target or homing pigeons flying towards home. We need the home that we are made for. God is not only our origin and our owner, he is also our end, our purpose, our identity, our meaning, our peace, our joy. He is our home. We were made to rest in him. And when we don't rest in him, because we have made another place our home, we are and we will always be restless. Is it any wonder that as you look at the times in your life where you do not and have not found your home in Jesus, we feel like we're wandering in life. We feel lost with with an insatiable itch to find home. Oh sure, we might find other temporary homes and and try to convince ourselves that this is it, this is home sweet home. And sure, it may feel comfortable for a time. Sure, we might find affection for a night, but it's like sleeping in a hotel or, or sleeping at a friend's house or a relative's house. It might feel like home for a bit, but it's not your home. And go ahead and try, try and call those places, those temporary places home and you'll find out you're not really at home. And you'll see, you aren't really at rest either. But that's why, that's why a young couple left their home. They left their home and went to Bethlehem and there they welcomed a newborn into their family and ours or as God says it, when the time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might have a home. Home is where the heart is, and the gospel truth is that your heart has been cemented in Christ. Look, you know very well that in the Bible, God uses many different names to reveal himself to us so we know him. But did you know one of the names that he uses to describe himself to us is the living stone? In 1 Peter chapter 2, we read that Christ is the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Christ is called a stone used for building, a stone that is not just a static stone. He is active for he is living. Jesus is full of life and has all the power of life. Jesus is the source of all of our life and our spiritual lives. And yeah, he was rejected by both his enemies and yes, at times, his disciples. But the stone was chosen by God from eternity to accomplish the purpose for which he was sent. He would be the foundational stone, the chief, chief cornerstone of the Holy Christian Church. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In the ancient world, a cornerstone wasn't buried in the ground like it is today. It was off the ground, in a prominent position for everyone to see, and it wasn't just for cosmetic purposes like you see commemorative cornerstones set today. No, The cornerstone was lifted up high off the ground for everyone to see so that as the building that was being built was constructed, there was a corner and on that corner there would be a chief cornerstone, the stone upon which every other stone would be aligned, firmly set and find its home, if you will, in that building. If the cornerstone was off just a little bit, the whole thing would, would become a crooked mess. But if it was straight, the building would be strong. Christ is that. He is the foundational piece upon which our spiritual homes and our lives are built. He is the standard that aligns all of our lives. And those who trust in him, they'll never be put to shame. Those who trust in him will never wander through life looking for a home. Those who believe in him will never experience that unsettled shakenness of those who who, who are wandering and searching for home in life. By becoming Christ's like stones. By coming to Christ, the living stone, the Spirit gives us faith, and we become something new. In 2 Peter, God uses no less than 10 terms to describe who we are and who we've become in Christ. We're living stones. You see, when we become Christians, we become like Christ. He is the living stones, and we become like the living stone. You notice it says we're not bricks. Bricks are all the same, but stones are, are different, and we're all different people with different gifts, but we're still being built into one spiritual house. God word calls you his spiritual house or the church, and no matter the shape you come in as a living stone in this spiritual house, there's a place for all of us. In Christ, you have a home. It is the church, and in this home, you and I get to serve as a holy priesthood. Hear this, God doesn't just call you and I part of a spiritual house, he names you as and calls you to be priests who serve in his holy house. Yes, you, and and not just pastors. He says all of us are a holy priest, made holy through the blood of the lamb. And because of Christ's sacrifice that shattered the need for all outward sacrifices, what you and I offer to God as holy priests is not lambs and goats blood it's our entire lives lived as humble recipients of all god gives so that now god calls everything that we do for him acceptable to god through jesus christ not because we're anything but through christ jesus we offer to god our entire lives our skills our abilities our money our time our energy our all and god says this makes him happy God finds the things that we, sinner saints, do to be pleasing and acceptable to him. And it's all because God calls you and I a chosen people. God so loved not only the world, but you. He so loved you in particular that he sought you out and bought you to faith, brought you to faith because he wanted you and he he wanted you to be a royal priesthood. God calls you not Just a priest, someone who has direct access to God through Christ Jesus, he calls you royal. You are both adopted into his royal family and you are anointed into the holy priesthood of God and commissioned to be a lifelong spiritual minister to others by showing his love to the world. You're called to live as a holy nation. By faith in Christ, you have become something that is much bigger than yourself. You're part of a great army of believers, an invisible network and community of saints, both in heaven and on earth. What's more, God calls you and I, his holy nation, this holy thing, his special possession. What could be more satisfying? What could be more comforting than to know and to realize that you belong to God? You have a home. You share a connection with the Lord of all. You are his possession and not as a slave, but as his children for whom he accepts as his own and whom he cares for with unending love. He says, once you were not a people, you were nobodies, but now you are the people of God. You are his, and he is ours. Once we were spiritual nobodies and and spiritual nomads who had no home, but now, for Christ's sake, the word and sacrament have worked an incredible change in our hearts, a thing we call conversion, and things have changed. You and I and the people who God loves, we have received mercy. We have received in place of punishment, a new status before God, a new heart from God and a new home with God. Home is where the heart is. So where is home? In God's word, your heavenly father uses name after name for you. He uses phrase after phrase to describe you. And he does all of this to make one thing abundantly clear. Home is where your heart is, and your heart has been cemented in God, in Christ. You know what's fascinating? After you are called a living stone in God's spiritual household, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession, and there's all this familial and homey language used to proclaim God's love to you, Immediately after this, Peter goes on to write this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. But I thought we were just told that we were made into a spiritual home on account of Christ. I thought that we were special to God by his grace and this despite our sins. I thought we were holy and we were loved in Christ before we were even lovable. Why are we still called foreigners? Why are we called exiles in his world? Well, here's the thing. And as I describe this, I'm borrowing God's word found in Ezekiel 11. Home is where your heart is and your heart is cemented with God in Christ because God has given you an undivided heart. He has put his spirit in us and he has removed our hearts of stone. That means our ideas of home have changed. That means as we look around this world and we look at all of the things that our hearts used to cling to and still are tempted to try and find meaning and security and comfort in, I'm talking about all the relationships, all the accomplishments, the jobs we have, the material things we own, the substances that are used and abused, you name it. These things, and really, this entire world are now foreign to us. This world is not our home. So friends, don't make the world your home. Don't make yourself cozy in it. We're strangers here. We are foreigners. We are exiles here because of what you know. You know home is where the heart is. And our hearts are cemented with God in Christ. That answers our question, doesn't it? The question we're considering is what our family is for? Families are a place for you and me to exist as exiles. The reality is that it can be lonely. It can be hard when you are spending time temporarily, physically away from the place that you call home. Here in this world where we as God's people live for now, there can be any number of trials, temptations, or just life experiences that shake us and make us and our hearts hurt and ache for the home that is ours. That's why having a family matters. It means you and I have a place in which we can exist as exiles and say together with one another encouraging words like the words we hear in Psalm 62. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him. At all times, you people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. What are families for? Families are a place for you and me to exist as exiles while we look forward to the day we are home for good with our Father. And there's one more thing, though. There's one more thing that families are for. Families are also a place to which exiles call other exiles home. In 1862, just a few weeks after the Battle of Fredericksburg, about 100,000 Union and 70,000 Confederate soldiers camped not too far from one another. The fighting had stopped, but only after 12,000 Union and 5,000 Confederate soldiers had already been killed. As you know, the the toll the war and, and this battle took was absolutely incredible. In an effort to relieve some of the stress of fighting, both the Union and Confederate camps had bands that would play songs at sundown. Now, the music was supposed to relieve stress, but someone must have forgotten to tell that to the bands. Due due to their close proximity, what ended up happening is the bands from the Union and Confederate armies would compete on being the loudest and the most over-the-top band. It was actually what you might call the original Battle of the Bands. One evening, this went on and on for some time until the Union Band started playing a song that, well, connected to both armies. The song was called Home Sweet Home. The song meant something and connected to everyone because for men on both sides, it goes without saying, there was a yearning to be back home. There was a yearning to be back home for the men who fought in this war. Add to it, during the evening, it was the time when everyone would write letters back home to wives, to mothers and fathers, to kids. It was a time when minds would wander and want to be back home. This particular evening was not unlike the rest. Until, when the Union Army started playing Home Sweet Home, something unusual did happen. The band competition stopped. Something amazing started. The Confederates heard the song being played, and they joined in. Pretty soon, both sides were playing the same song. The fighting was over, the bands were no longer competing, but instead accompanying each other. And according to at least one soldier, he had never heard such loud cheering and such loud singing in the camps. In a similar way, in a very real way, that's what your family is for. This is what our family is for. First Peter says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Because you know that home is where the heart is, and you know that our hearts are cemented with God in Christ, you know the truth, and you've experienced the joy of the truth. You, did you have a song to sing? A song called Home Sweet Home, a song that is all about the praises and the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Singing that song is what your family is for. Families are not only a place for you and me to exist as exiles as we look forward to the day we are back home. Families are also the place to which exiles call out to other exiles. We call others home by singing the song we call the gospel, the gospel that once called to us and still does call to us this day. This is what Peter is talking about when he said, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. My dear friends, I encourage you, I pray for you, and I urge you, live and sing. Live and sing among people in such a way that even though they're in other camps and they might try to play over us, sing louder than us, and drown out our song, they cannot and they will not. Live and sing in such a way that the song of your home and the song of praises that God has put in our hearts, in fact, call, call out to those who have restless hearts and they find rest in God. Live and sing in such a way that more exiled hearts join our song to sing the song of hope, the song of hearts at rest, the song of a home built on the living soul. After all, What are families for? Amen.